This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, this is Kimberly Kleiman Lee, executive coach, performance consultant, and host of the Do I Dare podcast. If you're a leader who wants to inspire, empower, and raise the leadership bar, then you have come to the right place, my friend. Here you will get access to powerful yet practical solutions that elevate your performance and dissolve roadblocks. Do you dare to lead in a way that moves the needle and scales the impact? Then let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Do I Dare podcast. I'm Kimberly Kleiman Lee, your host. Lately, I've been doing a lot of reading about something called the big quit or the great resignation. And I thought this could be a fascinating topic for today's episode. Check out the show notes for a few articles to get you caught up to speed. It's definitely a complicated and seemingly ever-changing social predicament, really. In essence, there's early evidence that the workforce, both skilled and unskilled labor markets, will continue to see unprecedented turnover over the next several months. Now, most of the articles I've read have focused on the U.S. market, but they've included global and multinational corporate data as well. As always, continue to learn on your own and gather more intel that suits your industry or your company. In a nutshell, it appears that more U.S. workers are voluntarily quitting their jobs than at any other time in the history of tracking such data. Now, this is creating an interesting challenge for companies who, quite frankly, just a few months ago, were trying to figure out how to protect their employees and and try to save them from being laid off. Now, the tables have turned and companies are scrambling to keep talented employees in their proverbial seats. A recent NPR article stated that the pandemic, of course, led to the worst U.S. recession in history and millions of people are still out of work. But yet those same employers are now complaining about acute labor shortages, especially in certain industries like manufacturing, retail, hospitality, and so forth. In this case, it seems that no role, industry, market, function, or company is immune from what's going on. It seems that the pandemic has really given us all a chance to think and reflect about our lives And the outcome seems to be a turn the tables on, do we work to live or live to work? And that's what we'll unpack in today's podcast. A Forbes article encouraged CEOs to think of this time as a bit of a wake-up call to embrace a new humanization of work. Now, I think we've been headed down this path for quite a while, but I think the pandemic may have turned up the volume on our need to really rethink Uh, our companies offer to employees um, and to try to make it a bit more of a win-win in terms of how productivity can lead to profits. The Washington Post quoted a Stanford University sociologist named uh, Marianne Cooper. And she said, expecting people to just return to work does not acknowledge the challenges and difficulties that employees endured during the pandemic. Employers can't simply expect employees to pretend like we just didn't live through a social catastrophe. Amen. Especially as that catastrophe continues to unfold around the world. She she goes on to say that employers need to understand that the employees returning to the office are not the same people who left last March. I couldn't agree more. And just an editorial note here, I could include an entire podcast about the impact COVID has had on the role of teachers and healthcare workers over the past year and a half. 
one article coming out of CNBC says that one in four teachers are considering quitting and looking for other work that leverages a different skill set. I just think the complex and multifaceted impacts of not only the pandemic, quite frankly, but race relations have hit our classrooms in ways that we couldn't even have fathomed. And teachers have been at the forefront of all of that, enduring it, solving for it, calming it down, making sense of it for the next generation. Just be aware that this particular podcast won't dive into that as much as it will the effects of this stuff on on corporate and company environments. But I can assume that there are definitely some uh, parallels. In my corner of the world where I live, Wisconsin, which is kind of the middle of the country, we're seeing the effects of this everywhere. There are help wanted signs in just about every service industry in southeastern Wisconsin. Grocery stores, retail outfits, restaurants, hospitality, and transportation all have been impacted. Uh, Just last week, we had a 4th of July celebration here where there's usually a spectacular fireworks show in downtown Milwaukee. Folks will go and pack a picnic, kind of find their spot in the parks, if you will, and celebrate the display. But the show was canceled this year because they couldn't get enough workers to support the event. Transportation to our world-famous festivals has also been canceled because there aren't enough bus drivers. Amazing. That transportation usually helped eliminate travel congestion, you know, parking congestion. And of course, it was meant to keep folks safe from, from drunk drivers. And all of that now is being called into question because they don't have enough uh, qualified drivers. Even more locally, last weekend, my husband and I went out to eat at one of our favorite local restaurants. And it, many like, much like other establishments, had a for hire sign posted on their front door. It's not all unusual. However, every single position you could think of for a restaurant was being advertised. And although the restaurant was packed inside, we knew something was wrong when we looked at the menu and it only had about a half a page of offerings as opposed to the three to four pages that we were used to. When we inquired about the change to the waitress, she explained that the owner of the restaurant is the only chef behind the scenes and that they had three waitresses splitting all the shifts. These same waitresses were also busting tables, washing dishes, pouring drinks, handling receipts, and the like. They simplified the menu and are limiting their days and hours with the hopes of keeping the doors to this great restaurant open. They've been open for about 21 years. So, so sad to see what they're struggling with. Different industry, same community. My hairdresser rents a chair from a salon studio type environment. Of the seven or eight stations available, only two are active now. My brother and his family recently went camping at a resort mid-Wisconsin and restaurants and activity centers were desperate for help. They had to limit their services and hours of operation. And in this case, most of their summer employees typically come from kind of an international college crowd, but those folks aren't yet allowed to enter the U.S. on their traditional temporary visa due to uh, ongoing COVID restrictions. So help is scarce for a number of reasons. Lastly, to complicate matters, at least in our uh, neck of the woods, our governor just signed an extension to COVID relief for workers whose livelihoods were impacted by the pandemic. Now, although I love that, the challenge is that it's creating a predicament for employers. These individuals don't only get their unemployment, but they get a COVID kind of relief bump, if you will, of $300 per week 
Now, of course, the goal is to get people back to work, but some folks are actually making more now on unemployment and with this relief than when they were actually working. So folks have a tough choice to make. Do they go back to working and not make as much money or do they stay unemployed, even if it's temporary and make more? It's a tough choice, right? That same NPR article I mentioned above uh, interviewed a restaurant staff member out of New York uh, who was clearly burned out from working long hours due to staffing shortages, battling with uh, customers who I'm sure uh, were difficult in this, do I mask, do I not mask situation? And he said he had a choice. He could work six days a week or take furlough. And he said his decision was an easy one. So workers everywhere now believe that work has to accommodate their new life as they define it. So here's a few stats to give you some additional perspective. The U.S. Labor Department said in April, the share of U.S. workers leaving their jobs was at about 2.7%, according to the Labor Department. Again, a jump from about 1.6% just one year earlier. It's the highest level since 2000. March, um, Prudential Financial surveyed about 2,000 workers, and one quarter said they plan to look for a role with a different employer um, uh, quite soon. The Atlantic reported that more Americans quit in April than any other month on record, going back to the beginning of the century. And according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, for every 100 workers in hotels, restaurants, bars, and retailers, about five of them have quit. In April, more than 700,000 workers in the Bureau's mostly white-collar category of professional and business services left their jobs. It's the highest number ever across all sectors and occupations. Four in 10 employees now say they've considered leaving their current place of work. Again, fascinating when you think of where we were just one year ago. More than 740,000 people who quit in April worked in the leisure and hospitality industry, which includes jobs in hotels, bars, restaurants, theme parks, and other entertainment venues. Many of them, of course, being considered essential workers and having to endure some of the most difficult of work conditions. And a record 4 million people quit their jobs in April alone. Employers are now experiencing greater turnover costs and in some cases, significant business disruptions, as you can only imagine. So I think overall, people are fried. They're exhausted, burned out from the fear, from the additional work, from the longer hours, from the unusual work conditions. The World Health Organization defines burnout as workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It comes in three categories, exhaustion, cynicism, and diminished uh, performance. Isn't that fascinating? Again, we have an official definition for burnout. Workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. Signs of it are exhaustion, cynicism, and diminished performance. So, for those of you out there, check yourself. Do you have any of those qualifiers for burnout? Or if you're a people leader, are you seeing this in your employees? If so, it might be time to do something about it. Here's what's driving that burnout, if you will. So, a couple things. One is just the whole simple concept of you only live once. Folks have seen the worst of it over the past year and a half or so, and they've decided that enough is enough. They're searching for more money, more flexibility, and more happiness overall. They're rethinking what work means to them, how they value it, and they want to spend their time in more meaningful ways. 
They've renewed their desire to make family and friends a priority. I personally love that, but of course it's going to impact things where many of us have sacrificed that over time to earn a good wage and provide for those very same loved ones. People think they really value their time now and they are questioning things like a 45 minute commute. People are starting to look for jobs that don't have those conditions on their work. They're also finding a fundamental shift in what they're willing to tolerate from their bosses. And if anything becomes even borderline abusive, unreasonable, et cetera, they're quitting, they're walking. The second reason is really still this concept of fear. So folks are reluctant to be in an office before the virus is cured or, or vanquished, if you will. Their risk of returning to the office for many folks, not only um, from a health perspective for those who are still quite vulnerable. And we know that the vaccine is not necessarily going to work as well as it would on others, but just the social tensions between workers, those who did get vaccinated versus those who did not. What if you have to share space with a person who didn't get vaccinated and who isn't necessarily mindful of their, their health or wellness? Many are um, saying that they feel just generally overworked and burned out because now they have to accommodate uh, two work environments. They are working with people in an office environment and they are accommodating folks who are working from home. In some cases, doubling the amount of work. I know my teacher friends went through that. They had to create two different sets of curriculum and two ways to teach that curriculum for those who were in front of them in the classroom and for those who were working online. It's exhausting, right? And then there are other risks to work that are perhaps secondary, but still very, very critical. Some folks have young children who obviously are still not eligible for the vaccine and want to make sure that they keep their loved ones safe as they return to their homes. And still others have a fear of job loss or trying to recoup cash that was lost based on a stall of their work situation. The value of work has changed. So things that people tolerated before the pandemic, they're no longer going to tolerate. Um, for example, if they now have experienced autonomy over when they worked, where they worked, how they worked, how many hours they worked, many employees are going to find it difficult to go back under their boss's watchful eye. So in this case, managing their own schedule will be very attractive and micromanaging will be much less so. Many folks say that they really prefer the same amount of flexibility and freedom that they experienced during the pandemic, even if it is at a cost of, of putting in additional hours. There was one workplace technology firm called Envoy that found that 48% of 1,000 U.S. workers surveyed would prefer a mix of working remotely and in the office. Another survey by Morning Consult said 39% of the adults they surveyed said they'd consider quitting if their managers didn't let them work from home, at least occasionally. And a Bloomberg survey found that nearly half the workers under 40 said that they might leave their jobs unless their employer gives them the flexibility they've now become accustomed to. Now, some folks are saying this isn't such a bad thing. This phenomenon maybe is optimistic of us all that we're thinking that there are actually options out there and that folks are landing in better situations. So they have evidence of it and want to try it for themselves. Fantastic, if that's the case. 
So it also reminds us that out of crisis come really great changes to society. You want to look at it in a glass half full type of way. For example, the great Chicago fire of 1871 uh, led to the invention of the modern skyscraper. The East Coast blizzard of 1888 led to the first American subway system and so forth. There are others who might take a bit of a more pessimistic view of this. There's a council of economic advisors that said that this all might be just an illusion, that folks who would have quit naturally just hung on through the pandemic. And now not only are they quitting, but others are catching up to the stats as well. It's kind of like an unpinched hose effect, it said in one article. The pandemic constrained all sorts of normal activities and uh, leaving their job was certainly one of them. So I tend to think that the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think out of this, we're going to be seeing some trends that were highlighted in a number of articles where folks used to think staying safe and secure in your job was the way to continue knowing that you had employment and would be taken care of. And now folks are saying that, no, maybe being on the move, being always looking for your next opportunity is definitely more safe and secure uh, for viable employment. The second trend is uh, where your turnover is coming from. So many companies are finding turnover in those who started uh, work during the pandemic. And it makes total sense, right? These are folks who never stepped foot within a corporate office or or had a chance to meet their employees, their peers face-to-face. They haven't had a chance to establish loyalty or get the unwritten benefits of working for the company that they signed up for. Perhaps they even worked for a manager who didn't handle the pandemic and working remotely very well. Therefore, again, they're less satisfied and less fulfilled. As one company said, uh, it's easier to sustain a relationship than to build one. And the folks who joined during the pandemic certainly haven't had the same opportunity to do that. Another trend is that higher wages could prompt employers to automate more expensive tasks. So opening the door wide for digital. We're primed for technological advancement in this regard and better paid employees working in concert with technology could really improve all of our circumstances, whether we're on the customer end or the employee who serves the customer. And lastly, employers are raising wages and beating certainly government's ability to mandate that. They're offering promotions to keep good talent. So we're in an area era of really seeing not only this increased wage, which hopefully will lead to increased satisfaction at work, which hopefully will lead to increased productivity and thus a rising standard of living for all. Sounds very optimistic and, and perhaps too good to be true, but I think we can all have fingers crossed on that one. So let me give you some examples of companies who are doing some really cool things to get their employees in a, in a great headspace to, uh, to stay. Mozilla, one company, shut down their entire company for a wellness week, knowing that folks were just, again, fried, burned out, and needing a bit of a break. Now, of course, you could say, well, people get vacation. Why can't they just take vacation? What many of these company examples that I'm going to share have found is that although some will go on vacation, the work piles up while they're out. So having everyone take a mandatory vacation, if you will, on the company's dime all at the same time gives everyone a much needed uh, respite. 
Other companies are offering an additional day off, perhaps once a month, every month for the rest of the year. Uh, PepsiCo and Verizon are continuing the pandemic benefits that they offered, things like increased paid time off or child and elder care benefits, flexible work schedules, uh, going remote in certain locations that are um, city-centric so they can at least be with others but not be in a corporate environment. Schneider Electric um, said that 65% of their employees identified as high potential got promotions or new roles during the pandemic. Thought that was really cool. Bumble, the dating app for that lets women take the lead, I believe is their tagline, um, had everybody take a week off. LinkedIn shut down for one week in April. Uh, Shopify instituted a rest and refuel Fridays globally and are going to be doing the same thing. Uh, in July and uh, August. Fidelity is granting U.S. full-time and part-time employees five additional relief days or paid days off for unexpected events like elder and child care and things like that. They're also helping them to find um, caregivers or tutors in light of something still not going back to the way they were, if you will. Marriott International is adding three paid take care days off on the Fridays before major holidays like Memorial Day, July 4th, and Labor Day for their non-hotel staff members. They're also encouraging teams to avoid meetings on Fridays, again, just to give people a bit more time to enjoy the weekend. In this case, Verizon is also um, trying to help with childcare and flexible work arrangements for folks who are still doing double duty, both at work and at home. And Zoom happy hours have been moved to noon as opposed to the end of the day so that folks could stop feeling like their work day just rolled into Zoom happy hours and instead actually made it part of the day. But that was a smart switch as well. So lots of great examples. Again, you guys continue to read and learn from those who are figuring this out. Here are a few more ideas for those of you who are really struggling uh, with this particular challenge. Uh, I put them into low effort, medium effort, and high effort. I think there are so many additional options, but this might be enough to get you thinking creatively on your own. First off, I would recommend you gather those around you to really have a concentrated conversation on this um, challenge, maybe forward some of the articles that I'm sending to you. If you're in HR, this would be a terrific team development opportunity for you to say, hey, here's a case study. What are we going to do about it? So here's some thoughts. First, get your finger on the pulse of where your employees are at, either your direct staff, if you have uh, direct reports, uh, your division, your department, your company, again, depending on your area of influence, I strongly recommend you bring up this case to the powers that be and start to study it in a unique way. Now, some of you might wait for the daunting engagement um, surveys that are done in, in companies um, everywhere and almost annually. I have led those efforts and they are indeed daunting. I would recommend you keep it simple on this one. Send out a very simple email saying, what should we start doing? What should we stop doing? What should we continue doing? All in the spirit of supporting you in this way. And just see the kind of creative responses you get back. Some will be super simple that you can do on the spot. Others might take a bit of, um, of effort, but nonetheless, hear directly from your employees what it will take to keep them satisfied and then take action. 
turn off Zoom. I can't believe I'm saying this because I was such a fan of Zoom and everything they were trying to do in the very beginning of the pandemic. But I think people are fried. Our brains cannot stare at um, people as long as we have and stay engaged uh, for as much as we need to. So turn off Zoom, go the good old fashioned way with just the voice and give your brains a bit of a, a reprieve. Incite things like no meeting Fridays or no email Fridays, or give your employees a half day Friday off so that they have a chance to again have a longer weekend and recoup and connect and take care of the things they need to take care of. Make time and space for connecting. Uh, certainly, remotely is going to be what most of us have an opportunity for right now. And that can simply be starting our team meetings with a bit of QA. How are people doing? What have you been up to? Tell us about your family, et cetera. But when we can, let's try to get face-to-face as soon as possible. In the medium effort category, create a community for all of your new hires, folks who have been hired since January 2020. And again, have some special roundtables just for those folks to see what you can do to get them connected to the company in new and different ways. And then again, as soon as it's safe to do so, bring all of those folks in for a really special orientation that helps them to recover all that they lost in terms of an employment experience during the pandemic. Teach employees how to speak up and advocate for themselves. Uh, I really think that part of this is going to be the responsibility of the employees to ask for what they need. But knowing uh, how risky that power differential is, the employers have an obligation to really help their employees advocate for themselves and create the space for those conversations. Offer flexibility options as defined by the employee, which might require you to really evaluate, reevaluate your total compensation and benefits packages and ensure those who are working at home have what they need to be successful. If you don't already have a budget, make sure you somehow create one, get them a headset, ear pods, um, a chair, a desk that's ergonomically friendly, things that are going to help them work at home in a successful manner. And then some of the high effort things. Of course, you can create a company-wide shutdown. Some of my clients really did an amazing um, Herculean effort of asking their managers and above to take some uh, mandatory uh, unpaid leave with the hopes of saving um, many more jobs than they would have had they not uh, taken such incredible uh, measures. This kind of company-wide shutdown would be on the company's nickel and would be for all employees uh, with the hopes of giving everybody a much-needed uh, reprieve. One of my personal favorites is Double Down on Manager Training. Boy, if there was ever a need for manager training, this is the time. You are having a lot of things thrown at those who are responsible for keeping your employees happy. We all know the data, right? People leave because of their manager. Would it be nice now if because of your investment in your managers, your people leaders, people are actually staying? Set expectations with them. What is it like to be a people leader at your company, especially post-pandemic? Hold them accountable. Make sure that being a good people leader is something you talk about during their performance reviews. Teach them how to do team development how to focus on the development of the individuals on their team, teach them how to do succession planning, have crucial conversations with their employees about their career journey and, and development needs, and certainly help them to understand how to keep employees engaged by having uh, honest and transparent conversations with each of them. 
bring individuals together for a team retreat when it is safe to do so. Pack in some fun. If you can't get them to, together face-to-face, there are so many terrific uh, things that you can do with everybody over a video like uh, Zoom or Teams. Um, I've seen folks do everything from art to cooking events, all sorts of things, again, that you can do remotely until you have a chance to get together uh, face-to-face once again. Try to alleviate pressures for your employees, be it childcare, house cleaning, meal making. There are lots of things that you can do. Send uh, resources to them to, again, lighten their load a little bit. For those of you who are really hoping that the digital age takes on a life of its own, again, start to think about cross-training and upskilling your staff. What can you do to encourage your employees to evaluate their work and start to think about ways to automate it all in the hopes of freeing them up to do higher level thinking tasks. With regard to digital, uh, see if you can parcel out um, some budget dollars to invest in that. Educate your employees on how to think more digitally and how to um, think about automating their work, again, with the hopes of giving them greater responsibility and more fulfillment in the way that they uh, contribute and matter to your company. Bottom line is be intentional about communicating with your employees on what's working and what is not. Don't ask once and assume that everything is fine. Make this a regular conversation that keeps everybody uh, engaged in new and different ways. I personally, in working with my clients, have heard that women have felt the greatest burden coming out of the pandemic. They've needed to leave the workforce in record numbers because of what was happening at home and with children and their school obligations. They've also found that the pressure has been just different in terms of of them being the ones to kind of hold things together in both fronts. And there's been some amazing data that has said that uh, we've kind of now put women Uh, back about 20 years uh, in terms of advancements of them at all levels of leadership in corporations. So it looks like we continue to have some work to do uh, in that regard as well. As I mentioned at the very top of this podcast, I have a series of articles I'll just put some links to in the show notes just to make sure that you have a chance to read these great articles for yourself. But boy, there is no shortage of content and data coming out on this particular situation. So keep your finger on the pulse. Keep talking to your employees and to each other. Can't wait to hear some of the creative things you've done to to keep your employees engaged and happy uh, and certainly rising to the top. So until next time, thanks so much for joining this episode of the Do I Dare podcast and bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the Do I Dare podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Share a topic of interest or a struggle that's top of mind for you. We'll give you a shout out on a future podcast. And for more information about Do I Dare and all things leadership, visit KimberlyKlymanLee.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and stay tuned for exclusive content access to the tools and resources you need to lead.